If we were to collapse this discussion down to just one thought, if we were to try and reduce this task before us to one idea, it would come down to the fact that excellence begins with a choice. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part four of Skillful Living, Introducing Proverbs, a 12-part study in Proverbs from Pastor Paul Twiss. Pastor Paul's text today is Proverbs chapter nine, a tale of two feasts. And before we dig into part four of this study, we've asked Pastor Paul to join us in discussion. So Pastor, we're now well into our 12-part study here in Proverbs, and today we're moving to a new section, Proverbs chapter 9, A Tale of Two Feasts. You want to describe that for us? Right, Matt. In parts 1 through 3, we looked at the prologue to this amazing book about wisdom. That was chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Verse 7 states Proverbs' major theme, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Today, we enter a key chapter in this book, chapter 9, which is subtitled, A Tale of Two Feasts. All of us receive an invitation to both feasts in our lives. Notice, I have interchanged the word excellence with wisdom along with this. Excellence is a thoroughly Christian virtue. It pleases God when we strive for excellence because it reflects his character. Well said. Thank you, Pastor. Here now is part four of Skillful Living, Introducing Proverbs. So our text is chapter nine in its entirety. And the word of God reads, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by. 
who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So reads the word of the living God. We looked at the very first seven verses of this book, chapter 1, 1 through 7. It is an introduction. It leads us into the Proverbs. It sets up for us a framework by which we can read the book. And I argued that it gives us guidance on how to pursue a life of excellence. The Proverbs, of course, are wisdom, wisdom literature, Wisdom that is to be applied and not simply understood or taken in mentally. Commentators will often say wisdom applied is skillful living. And I argued that it is the pursuit of excellence. Excellence is a thoroughly Christian virtue. We serve an excellent God and we honor him by imitating him. It pleases God when we strive for excellence because it reflects his character. Not only that, but the pursuit of excellence is important for the Christian because excellence is not disconnected from righteousness. The book of Proverbs is not most fundamentally about issues of sin and righteousness, but it speaks to the gray areas of life. How do I make a a good choice amongst many good choices? How do I make the best choice amongst many good options? However, it would be wrong to think that wisdom is unconnected from issues of righteousness and that folly is not unrelated in turn to sin. It is often the case that the pursuit of wisdom, of skillful living, keeps us in the bounds of righteousness. And to turn that coin on its head... When we make one foolish decision after another, it will often lead to sin. So the pursuit of excellence is a responsibility that we all have as Christians. Now, the pursuit of excellence is a complex issue. Even a cursory reading of the Proverbs demonstrates that this is a very difficult book to understand, far more difficult to apply to our lives, to know how to apply the Proverbs to our daily lives. If we were to collapse this discussion down to just one thought, if we were to try and reduce this task before us to one idea, it would come down to the fact that excellence begins with a choice. The pursuit of excellence begins with a choice. Every day, In every task, in every responsibility that is set before us, we either choose to strive for the very best, to strive for excellence, or we choose to cut corners and to settle for less than our best efforts. And that then leads us to our passage this evening, Proverbs chapter 9. We have a choice before us in this chapter. Now, it's presented in the form of a feast We read of an exquisite banquet. I wonder where your mind goes when you even hear that word feast. I can't help but think back to my history classes in school when we were taught of the feasts of Henry VIII. 
He was a man who was known for his appetite. When he wasn't marrying, divorcing, or beheading a wife, he was feasting. He converted 55 of the rooms in Hampton Court Palace to kitchens in order to serve up bigger feasts. He would invite many guests and serve meals sometimes of 14 courses. In those days, it wasn't one course after another, but all of the food would come out at once. On the menu would be such things as spit-roasted meat, grilled beaver's tail, whale meat, whole roasted peacock, black pudding, a personal favorite of mine, boar's head, spiced fruit cake, wine and ale, and the list goes on. Without question, they were some of the greatest banquets ever held. The feast we read of this evening is of a different kind. It is not of food, but of wisdom. It is a feast that is offered for free. It is a feast that is offered to everyone. Whoever would choose to consume it may be in attendance at this feast. But in case you think I'm misrepresenting the scenario, I should tell you that there is another feast offered tonight. There is a second meal in view. It looks remarkably similar to the first feast. It smells the same. It looks so tempting. It is happening just across the street from the first banquet. But it's so different. It is the banquet of folly. And although it is delicious for a time, it will invariably result in spiritual gout. It will give you the very worst kind of food poisoning, and it will lead ultimately to death without exception. Notice there is no third way presented. There are two feasts going out the invitations simultaneously. You as the reader have to choose, and there is no third option. You will dine at one of these feasts. Now, we don't go into chapter 9 blind, Solomon kindly paints a very vivid picture for us. He gives us much theology in the metaphors that he writes. And he also tells us about the state of the reader. The reader. You may have noticed when I read Proverbs 9 that after the description of wisdom's feast, we come across in verses 7 through 12 something of an interlude. It breaks from the word picture of feasting And we have a small passage that provokes our thoughts or causes us to examine ourselves. It provides a commentary on who would receive the invitation issued by wisdom. It tells us who would scorn such an invitation. And so with these three portions of the poem well established, the feast of wisdom, the feast of folly, and in between the two, an interlude, we are confronted this evening with a question. And the question is, which feast will you choose? The stakes are high. To choose wisdom is to choose excellence. To choose wisdom is to pick a road that imitates the character of God. To choose wisdom is the the long-term enjoyable road. And it is ultimately to choose life itself. To choose folly is to, well, it is to choose folly. 
To choose folly is to choose temporary, short-lived pleasure. And it is to choose destruction and death. So let's step into this drama. Let's look at the three parts of the poem, the Feast of Wisdom, the Feast of Folly, and in between what I've called the Reader's Interlude. Beginning with the Feast of Wisdom. Wisdom has built her house, verse 1 says. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. These first three verses are what we would typically refer to in the analysis of a, of a scene as exposition. And all that means is that in the first three verses, the drama, per se, is not unfolding. The plot is not yet unraveling. We're dwelling a pause in these first three verses, and we're just being given information. It's almost like background information so as to inform us, the reader, of what's about to happen after that. And what we see is a noble hostess. She builds her house, verse 1. She prepares her banquet, verse 2. And she invites the guests, sends out the invite, verse 3. In order to understand the significance of this information, we need to think about the context of chapter 9. As I said earlier this evening, the introduction to Proverbs is the first nine chapters. It's a long introduction. The Proverbs proper, they don't actually begin until chapter 10. You're familiar with what a proverb sounds like. Two lines, often a parallel thought or a thought that is antithetical, one line to the next. They begin in chapter 10 and following. So chapters 1 through 9 actually form a very lengthy introduction to the Proverbs. More specifically, chapters 1 through 9 are 12 exhortational poems. One poem after another that is designed to prepare the heart of the reader to receive the wisdom that begins at chapter 10 and following. From the perspective of the author, namely Solomon, you might say he's building his case. He's building his case in chapters 1 through 9. He's making his argument as to why it's worthy to pursue the wisdom that is found in the Proverbs in 10 and following. And so here, chapter 9, this is the very last poem in the introduction. It is the last shot for Solomon. As he is pleading with his son to make a good choice, this is the last poem he sets before him. Chapter 9 really is, is a hinge point in the book. The pleading to choose the good path of wisdom comes to an end here. And then we, we step into the house, as it were, in chapter 10 and start to, to soak up that wisdom as it's found in the Proverbs. So it's appropriate that Solomon begins the poem by saying, wisdom has built her house. The house is built. It is ready. She has hewn her seven pillars. The verbs here of building, of hewing out, they're verbs of creating, they're verbs of industry, they're verbs of skill. Just as we have been told in chapters 3 and 8, God created the earth by wisdom. It was in wisdom that he laid the foundations of the earth. And it's that same wisdom that has been used to construct this house to which we are being invited. 
of a friend who built his house. It took him a very long time. It was a long and slow process. He told me that it was so slow at one point that he set himself the goal of just ticking off one, one thing a day. If he could just complete one thing in the building of the house, however small that might be, then he knew that he was making progress in the right direction. It was a long process, but now as you look at the finished house, it is a house that boasts of skill, of craftsmanship, attention to detail, of excellence. And that is the thought here in the first verse. Wisdom, her house, did not go up in a day. Nine chapters it has taken to get here. It has been carefully constructed and fashioned. The seven pillars may speak of perfection. It may infer the size of the house. In ancient Israel, you would find houses that would typically have three pillars as you walked into the, the banquet hall. To have seven would mean this is an exceptionally large house. It may imply that there's room enough for everybody. As we peer inside the house, we see that wisdom's diligence and discipline and attention to detail has carried on. Verse 2, she has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. Wisdom has slaughtered the fattened calf for us. She has mixed her very best wine for us. She has mixed it, probably a reference to to adding something sweet like honey. She has laid the table. The tablecloth is, is white and crisp. The silverware is polished and shiny. Every playsetting is, is perfectly laid and identical to the one beside it. Solomon here is creating a very vivid picture that is, is supposed to appeal to our senses so as to convince us to show up to this feast. In fact, even as you read verse 2, as you read it in the original language, what you see is a craftsmanship on Solomon's part, a precision, as every single word ends with the same sound. So he's been very intentional as he's picked his words, such that when this poem is read aloud, it results in a delightful sound to the ear of the hearer. And then in the final stage of the exposition, verse 3, the sages are sent out. The agents of wisdom go out into the town. They have the authority to speak on behalf of Lady Wisdom such that anyone who hears them is effectively receiving a personal invite from Lady Wisdom herself. And notice they go to the highest places in the town. They go there so that they would get the greatest attention. Everybody needs to hear this message. They're not going to hide away. They're not going to pick a discreet spot. They go to the highest places in the town. The invite is applicable to all and it is needed by all. This feast is in no way exclusive. It is not simply for the noblemen and the noblewomen, but it is given to all. So the summary of the picture that we find in these first three verses is one of beauty, one of elegance, we see a finely crafted house within which there is a rich banquet and it is a picture of availability. 
we could pause there and note that immediately we, the reader, are confronted with a question. And the question is whether this scene in any way provokes your interest. Do you find that there is any inclination of your heart to pursue the feast of wisdom? We've all received special invites before. I remember some years ago receiving a very special invitation. It was to a birthday dinner, and it was from a young lady named Laura Campbell. She now goes by the name Laura Twiss, just to let you know the story ends well. <laughs> We had met only a few months prior, both freshmen at university, and she had stolen the affections of my heart. And I was desperately trying to think out how to get to know her better, to spend time with her. And then on this particular day, there was an invitation in my mailbox to a birthday dinner. Whatever was happening that day, it was now off. <laughs> Whatever I had on my schedule, it was now cancelled. Whatever the invitation said about dress code, I would be wearing a suit. <laughs> And whatever she said about no presents, please, I would be bringing a very special gift. It was a special invitation to me. Proverbs 9 is an open invitation, but please understand this is a very special invitation. You are on the guest list. And the question is whether you care, whether you are inclined at all to show up. Are you seeking to participate in this feast? Put more bluntly, is there any pursuit of excellence in your life? Is there any desire to grow in wisdom, relationally, morally, spiritually? It is quite possible that you don't have affections for wisdom, for skillful living. Maybe life is just so busy. There are so many obligations, so many responsibilities that are set before you, and you just don't have the time to even think about how you might grow in the area of wisdom. That is why we're thankful for the insistence of Lady Wisdom. We're thankful that she is adamant that we partake in the feast. Moving on, look at verse 4 through 6, where she issues the invitation, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come. There is a real urgency to the invitation. Come and eat of my bread. Drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. She's saying, you must come to my feast even if you don't think you want to. It is a Christian obligation to pursue wisdom, to pursue skillful living. It is an obligation for us to grasp and be grounded in the gospel. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. Several of the Proverbs were written by Solomon, and some think he may have helped compile the Bible's wisdom literature, books like Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and many of the Psalms for posterity. Here we learn that life's ups and downs can be well met by the level of our wisdom, our pursuit of excellence. Christians also have the benefit of the Holy Spirit and Scripture to guide them. The Lord has abundant ways of showing those who fear Him His way. How do you turn your life in the way of wisdom and excellence? We'll find out more on our website, timelesstruthtoday.org. Press broadcasts 
There you'll find an abundance of teaching to help you, our free audio archives. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twist, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. If this program has a positive impact on your walk with Jesus, will you consider making a financial gift to be part of this gospel outreach ministry? Your support makes you a part of reaching thousands of souls with the good news of Jesus. On our homepage, TimelessTruthToday.org, simply select Donate to make your gift of any amount. Hope you'll join us tomorrow for part five in our series, Skillful Living, Introducing Proverbs from Pastor Paul Twist. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.